This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey. Oh, boy, people are excited. You know why? Uh, saw about 18 profiles on the new governor of Massachusetts. Who the hell cares, right? It's another Democrat. But, but, did you know uh, she's a lesbian? Uh, she is a lesbian, LGBTQ. And, of course, that's more important. That's more special. That's more, uh, there's greater status. That's just uh, than some ordinary, you know, just a guy who likes girls who, yeah, may, who may, might be. Christian, who knows? It's cisgender, boring. Not who cares? And LGBTQ, first time ever. Can we? I think there should be just a okay. We get it. All the barriers have been broken. It doesn't matter anymore. All right. I mean, it gets nauseating. When are we? Yikes! The first short. Just all these little special categories. Uh, is she any good? All I, I saw three profiles. They did not mention anything about her background. The whole thing is she prefers women in bed. Who cares? It really doesn't matter. It doesn't shock us. Nobody's mad about it. But you know what does make me mad? That somehow that's considered better, more status, more prestige than those of us who might be heterosexual. Right? 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 Just uh, anyway, look, we're still waiting for the dust to settle to figure out what this all means, the midterms. Um, the number one thing is this was not Trump's fault and I am still with Trump, uh, totally. Now I understand from what I'm hearing, he's rethinking, uh, the whole thing. He's rethinking running for president. He's rethinking the, uh, announcing next week. Uh, it would probably be better if he does announce to wait until after the midterms. I mean, after the, uh, the runoff down in Georgia, I think that's, uh, that's probably a good idea. Uh, but it's so unfair to uh, put this on Trump, you know, and they say, well, he was campaigning all over the place and so many of his candidates lost. Well, number one, they're exaggerating. A lot of his candidates won. You know, there are some hard losses. OK, I'm still really upset about the Oz thing. Dr. Oz, uh, my favorite and uh, <laughs> the great one, Mark Levin, pointed out. And I did not know this, that early voting started in Pennsylvania almost two months before Election Day, two months before Election Day. It's usually a given that there are debates. They put that debate off until October 25th on the eve of the election. Uh, don't you think that would have changed a lot of votes if we couldn't have, could have gotten a look at Fetterman a little bit earlier? Of course, of course. I'm still reeling a little bit about the, um, yeah, the Hochul debacle here. And I'm wondering about people. I'm wondering Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, um, New York, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, couple things in common here. Uh, these communities that are engulfed by crime just voted for more crime. Just voted for more crime. You look at how solidly blue places like uh, Philadelphia are, places like Manhattan, Brooklyn, New York City, solidly blue. Solidly. So solidly blue. 70% voted for 
Kathy Hochul, 70%. Now, that's actually not bad for a guy like Lee Zeldin, who, by the way, deserves a hell of a lot of credit for an excellent race. And what did he get in the end? 47% of the vote? 47 That's very, very good. Look, I wanted him to go all the way. Obviously, we all did. But too many people here are content, and they, they seem to, I don't know, they hate Trump more than they love their children. Is that possible? They love abortion more than they love their kids? Hmm. Peter Pace in the middle of uh, the... Do you remember Peter Pace? He was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and uh, he was trying to manage the military in Iraq. And at one point, he, he asked the Sunnis and the Shias, do you guys love your children more than you hate each other? It was an interesting question. It was, you know, kind of seemed profound, although it really wasn't helping the situation. Like, just, we were over. He thought that was like the slogan of the century. And I'm not saying this is the slogan of the century, but it is an idea. And unfortunately, I think the answer is they seem to, uh, they seem to hate Republicans more than they love their children. I mean, how else do I, I don't know. They just take it for granted. And they, I mean, hardcore Democrats, um, and you know what? I'm going to, right now, and I, I, I don't like talking with a broad brush. I really don't. Um, but if you look at the voting patterns and um, you see some things here, and you see that African Americans continue to overwhelmingly vote Democrat, overwhelmingly so. And we have a community that is in total crisis, total crisis. Yet they still keep voting for Democrats. Plenty of exceptions, but overwhelmingly for Democrats. That's, uh, I believe they're voting against their best interests. I do. Um, every societal problem we have is more so in the black community. More so. And um, as Donald Trump said, what the hell do you have to lose? Try something else. Kathy Hochul does not have this. Yeah. Is it beyond repair? I mean, is it hopeless? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe poor, crime-ridden areas are always going to be poor and crime-ridden. Maybe. I just um, can't believe it. When I see, I was just curious how to see what Kathy Hochul, how much she won the Bronx by. Like 55 points, something crazy. A huge victory for her in the Bronx. And some of these other counties, solidly blue. Um, you know, it's funny. Overnight, overnight, no one's talking about crime. Crime is a really big issue, right? It still is. People are still getting killed. I looked at the headlines yesterday. <laughs> there are more shootings. People drop getting killed in Philadelphia. And uh, But no one's talking about it anymore, I guess, because... Now, that goes for Republicans, too. I mean, everybody's looking their wounds, trying to figure out what to do, say next. How's this going to all go down? Um, I did point out that Donald Trump, you know, he stuck his neck out. And that's also, that makes him very, very different. He sticks his neck out. He could have sat back, uh, counted his money. Even with the idea of running for president again, he doesn't have to be out there every day campaigning for uh, Republicans does not have to do it. In fact, he, if he wants to be president again, somebody could have ta- sat him down a year ago and said, you know what, if you really want to do this, be like Mike Pence. Come out and only control Mike Pence. I have had it with that guy. Mike Pence's book is out now. And guess what he's, guess what he, uh, he's leading with? 
January 6th and the thought that one man could overturn an election is the most thoroughly un-American idea. And the crowd goes wild. Well, that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about following the law. There is a provision under the law where you could have... Let me ask you something. If all of the electors in Harrisburg were held up on a train and said, uh, you guys are voting one way, you better vote this way, but those votes, the electoral votes were submitted. If they were submitted and they found their way to the... Uh, to the Capitol, would Mike Pence have had the duty, the constitutional duty, to just count those votes? Or could he have done something or said something? I think he could have done something. I think he could have said, we got a real problem in Harrisburg. Uh, did you catch the bad guys yet? Good. We're sending these votes back to you so you can figure it out. Because obviously, if it was if it was something that clear-cut, well, you know what? It's just about as clear-cut as that. There are all kinds of games that were played because they violated their own law. They violated their own law. They violated the Constitution of Pennsylvania, and they came up with all these little this trickery. And the trickery is here to stay, it looks like. I had a bad feeling about voting. I tell you, I did vote. I filled out that microscopic oval and the microscopic instructions that good people, smart people could easily, could easily make a mistake. And their vote is not counted. But you know who's really good at this stuff? And they train and they get the word out, the unions, those dirty unions. Anyway, there's Donald Trump sticking his head out, his neck out, helping people, red in the face. Saturday night, he's in some nowhere town somewhere, (laughs) screaming his head off. And I admire that. And no one else is doing it. Mitt Romney doesn't do it. Uh, Chris Christie doesn't do it. Uh, None of these guys. The establishment... They wanted MAGA to fail. They want to take Trump out. And there, I think, too many of them are perfectly happy, especially Mitch McConnell. Did you see what I did last night on the Newsmax show? I'm actually quite proud of it. First of all, this Don Bulldock, Bulldock, he lost in New Hampshire. It was a very competitive race. Um, He fought one hell of a primary, and he won. He got the nomination. Uh And why did he win the nomination? Because when he was campaigning, he wasn't afraid to say things, and he said it boldly and strongly. Cut 24. I signed a letter saying that Trump won the election, and damn it, I stand by my election. I'm not switching horses, baby. All right. He gets the the nomination. And then he's got to meet with all the muckety-mucks in in Washington, D.C., the swamp. And Mitch McConnell says, well, yeah, we, we can't have you talking like that. It must All Republicans must accept that Joe Biden won that election. Uh, it's totally legitimate. Uh, so, Don, if, if we don't do that, we're going to have a problem. And he talks to him, and he, uh, Don Bulldock is a little bit of a babe in the woods. He just got out of the Army like a week ago. And he doesn't know who's who or what's what. Good guy, but he shouldn't know these things. It's one of the problems that you... you You spend too much time in the military, you get out, and you're naive for the first 10 years. You don't know what the hell is going on. So you heard what he sounded like during the primary. And then the swamp gets at him. And this is what he sounded like as the Republican nominee. Uh, Cut 25. One of the things that Maggie Hassan, the Senate incumbent, will say is that you are an election denier, that you deny that President Biden won the 2020 election. Do you stand by that today? So, you know, we, uh, we, we uh, you know, live and learn, right? 
Um, and I've done a lot of research on this, and I've spent the past couple of weeks talking to Granite Staters all over the state. <laughs> that didn't sound too impressive to me, huh? Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, guess what? Went with the, um, yeah, Joe Biden won. Yeah, right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he totally lost it. He was a flip-flopper because the swamp told him to flip-flop. And uh, that's the result. That's the result. Hey, did you see the uh, press conference last night? Uh, Joe Biden, uh, boy, oh, boy, he's um, he's lost. He's weird. He got Iraq and um, uh, Kershaw and Ukraine confused. He started talking about Fallujah. He started talking about investigating Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, but it's I, I, I so resent this that he can gloat. He's in a position where he can actually gloat a little bit about the results then he said something very strange they were asking about you know what about uh, donald trump if he if he runs again you know how do you feel about that and he said something very creepy cut 28 we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh if we uh, if he does run uh, making sure he uh under legitimate efforts of uh, our constitution does not become the next president again under legitimate efforts under the Constitution. What the hell does that mean? Why did he say that? Under legitimate efforts under the Constitution. He didn't say beat him at the ballot box, right? We're going to get more votes from him. No, these guys are up to their own, as usual. They're using other means, whatever means necessary, because Trump, remember, is a clear and present danger. Remember when they told us that, or they keep telling us that, even a Republican judge by the name of Ludig, Ludig. Do you remember this guy, this weirdo who testified during January 6th, cut 29? Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. That means you and me. We're a clear and present danger to American democracy. Go to hell, Judge Luddig. Um, because if it's a clear and present danger, you can look up that phrase. That means that they can suspend the rules to deal with that threat. That's dangerous. Judge Luddig, Joe Biden, and the rest, they are a threat to the democracy. And, yeah, I've got real con- – anyway, much more to say. Give me a call, and I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, we're on the air? All right. <laughs> I had the volume down. Sorry about that. And I was just looking at the uh, the New York Post. Wow. They just let us down again. Uh, New York Post, way too hit or miss, you know, because who runs the New York Post? Ultimately a billionaire. Uh, some billionaire, most billionaires are crazy, totally insane. Um, and that can be a good thing. Um, uh, there's good and bad in everybody. And uh, the Murdochs, wow. I think they have it out for Trump. And conservative media, too much of it can't be relied upon. 
Um, here they are. They let their never Trumper, John Pederitz, Pederitz, one of those guys, comes from a long line of lazy conservatives, and uh, writes the his dream piece. He's always hated Trump. I noticed John Pederitz loves Iraq War. He loved that. Promoted the hell out of that, and they got a big, um, you know, unflattering caricature of Trump and saying it's all his fault, um, and it's disgusting. It's disgusting, and so much of the conservative media, what's left of it, you know, we don't have that many allies out there. Um, look at the New York Post; they're the great people who brought us um, Eric Adams. By the way, uh, the Post says to bring back New York City, vote for Eric Adams. Vote to save New York with Eric Adams. The Post says, pick Eric Adams today for the future of our city. Uh, They always get it wrong. And uh, they gave us Eric Adams, and now they're saying, you must abandon Trump and go with DeSantis. Um, Who else? Who else is uh, pushing? Fox News. Fox News. Have you seen it? They're blaming Trump, too. And they tried. Here's another reason why to not blame Trump. As big a deal as he us and as he is for us, and we talked about this yesterday, they ignore him day in and day out. They ignore him. They don't cover his rallies. Big tech has deplatformed him. Mainstream media, they're always just giving him a hard time. January sixth crap. Um and one of the reasons for the mainstream media and Fox ignoring his rallies, well, because in twenty sixteen they could not get enough of the rallies. Remember that? Cut twenty two, please. There are several major events coming up tonight. We're going to have full coverage of all of these events. We're standing by to hear from Donald Trump. Uh, He's going to be speaking as well. The third rally, he's got two more later tonight. Meanwhile, on the political trail, we are awaiting uh, Donald Trump. Uh, to arrive at his rally in Hagerstown, Maryland. Something rare happened at the Trump rally in Milwaukee tonight. That was 2016. And that was mainstream media, MSNBC, CNN. That was just a wow. That was it was what a spectacle, a Trump rally. And he would make news every time he turned around and uh, all that free media. And they will never forgive themselves for that. They beat themselves up for that. And that's one of the reasons why Fox News does not carry him anymore. They want him to lose. They want to atone for 2016. Anyway, he's not responsible. I hear he is taking this all very, very hard. More when I come back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Themes in this election year, election deniers. Trump-backed election deniers. These election deniers. GOP errors are on the ballot. Your Republican Party's next nominee for governor could be an election. to have election deniers win. You see, it's one of the... Uh, uh, hundreds of topics they say we can't talk about. <laughs> you can't talk about the election. You can't raise your voices and your concerns about the 2020 election. They'll label you ineligible for office if you raise doubts about. And that goes for Mike Pence as well. Mike Pence doesn't think you're eligible for office if you have doubts 
and concerns about the 2020 election. It is American. It is America. We are allowed to have these concerns. It is, uh, gosh, they boxed, they, too many, too many fell for it. Too many, too many. And who's pulling the strings? The establishment, people like Paul Ryan, George W. Bush. Did you see Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, who is on his way to being a billionaire, by the way. Uh, Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House. The guy is, uh, I think he's 50 years old. Imagine that he's only 50 years old. He spent half of his life in government. Got elected to the Congress when he was like 26. Milks it for all he can. And now he's a very, very, very rich man, getting richer by the second. And I, I see he's, uh, Paul Ryan blames disappointing GOP election results on Trump hangover. Yeah, thanks. Blame Trump. Blame Trump. What did, has anybody seen Paul Ryan lately other than uh, appearing in Aspen and uh, Davos offering just his lazy assessment that apparently he charges big bucks for, right? He's a, believe me, he's got such prestige as a former vice presidential failed uh, running mate. This guy is going to dine out on that for many, many years to come. And a lot of other things he's got going on. But uh, this kind of lazy analysis uh, will get you very, very far. The sw- I have not seen him campaigning. And this has been pointed out I, I, last night. That, and I've said this before about Trump. He is out there sticking his neck out for these candidates, for our country. And most people don't do that because, well, they're afraid to. And they're afraid of failure. They're afraid of, well, what if my candidate loses? Then I'll look like I don't have that much power. Uh, I'll be damaged. That's why most people don't do what Trump does. They're afraid of failure. Think of all the things you could get done if you were not afraid of failure and if you were not afraid of looking bad or criticism. These are some of Trump's gifts, really. He does not seem to have a fear of much of anything. Um, But he's paying a little bit of a price. Yes, it was disappointing. The results are disappointing. I still give him credit for trying for trying to move the needle. Most don't. They just mail it in, phone it in, let others do the work. Good for him. Good for him. Sally in Queens, what's up? Hi. Yes, I was wondering. All right. All right. All right. Your name is not Sally. All right. So, all right. So this is an attempted prank phone call. Um, You want to just use your regular voice and we can talk, but you're not, you're not, you're screwing around, Sally. Okay, well, continue then. Why your side is against gender neutral? What? I changed my gender. All right, thank you, Sally. You're, you're, you're just, all right, would you cut the crap? All right, no prank phone calls. We haven't had a prank phone call in a long time. Uh, let's see here. Mike and Wayne. Hello? Well, never mind. Susan from Brooklyn. Okay, Greg. Hi. Listen, I'm a little fired up. Um, I happen to be listening this morning um, to this station in the morning show. And Let me um, guess. Sid Rosenberg said something you didn't like, right? Okay. I'm, not, I, I'm just going to say that I thought the remarks that were made um, were very unnecessarily disparaging. Well, what happened? Name names. Who said what? Okay, well, you know, him and his little entourage were mocking um, Herschel Walker. Was Bo Deedle um, involved? No, not in this conversation. Just that 
he, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a better person than who he's running against. But they, they very blatantly were saying, oh, he doesn't have the intellect. And this is my belief that they were saying he doesn't have the intellectual capacity and that he can't speak that well. And I just want to say that I have seen him. I watched his debate. Um, which Dick Morris said he was coached by Newt Gingrich, and he did an excellent job in that debate. No, he's terrific. Um, he is absolutely terrific, and they totally underrate him. They hear the tone of voice, and then they make their instant their instant judgment. Oh, you know he he doesn't sound like I do, or he's not as polished, or whatever. And then, but if you actually listen to what he says, not only what he's saying, the substance, but how he says it, he's very very good. He is. And they need to, um, anyway, but look, it's talk radio. People say things that people don't like all the time, you know, Susan. So don't, you know, it's okay. All right. If they said something, you know, Herschel's in Georgia, he's busy down there. I'm sure he didn't hear it. So it's nothing to get worked up about, you know? Oh, no, I am worked up. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, though, Susan, it's nothing to get worked up about. All right. I mean, there are a lot of things in the world to be worked up about right now. Uh, that uh, Sid and the morning uh, zoo crew said something you didn't like. Uh, don't worry about it. No, I think we need to get behind Herschel Walker. I mean, we're doing all we can. We don't live down there. I mean, you know, I can't vote for the guy. Um, I just, I just uh, I, I, I give him more money. I, I, I guess I could do that. I mean, I just like it's okay. It's it's okay. It's all right. I can't. You got to back off uh, the morning crew. All right. Just, you know, don't worry about it. It's just air. It didn't mean anything. It does. Because all right, my... Susan, I can't I can't talk you out of this. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, let's try uh, uh, Joe in Fairfield, Connecticut. Yes. Yes. Hello, uh, Colonel Gregory. Yes. I'd like to talk about the differences in how the Republicans and Democrats campaign. And there's no question. I've seen so many lawn signs for the Republicans in Connecticut and they'll never win. Because they, the, the advantage is that the Democrats have control somehow of the tabulators. And the, there is a, a federal law that says that all parts of the tabulator, the machines that add up through the final tally, have to be made in the United States. And that, that's not the case. Cause the have to be. Wait, wait. Slow down, out. man. Slow down. The, all right. Yes, the Democrats own the machinery, the machinery, the mechanics of uh, government up there in Connecticut and most places, unfortunately. And you say they're violating the law. How? Well, it's 52 U.S. Code uh, voting system standards, uh, and it's 210081. I think that's the number. I think uh, it's 83, actually, but keep going. 83. All parts of the machine have to be made, not just assembled in the United States, but be made. So the hard drive has to be made in the United States. Uh, Ah, okay. And was it made somewhere else? Do you know this for a fact? I think think for a fact. You think, you think it's a hunch. Come on. Look at the back of the thing. Did it say made in China, made in India? Do you have facts? Do you have I evidence? Worked as, I worked for the registrar many times, and we've discussed this many times. It's very difficult to trace because they subcontract many of these machines. Yeah, sure, sure. It's hard, it's hard to make stuff in America. Indian is the main co- company, and the vice president of that even said it himself, and I remember reading this two years ago. All right. That it was made over there. Now, all right, all right. Well, look, write this, write this down. You got to, you know what? You got to write this stuff down. Are you writing this stuff down and sending letters? Are you, are you, Joe? I, no. Because you know what? I, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do the work. Everybody wants to pick up the phone or send an email. You got to document it. And I'm telling you again, if you go to a website and send an email, 
it's like it's you you might as well just just talk to yourself it doesn't cut it you got to document this stuff and send letters to every every person in your community or every state representative federal state local Joe, uh, you're talking to the wrong guy. I mean, I feel it. I know. I know. But I can't do anything about it. Same goes to you, Susan. I'm sorry. There's only so much. And um, uh, something else that's been working against us, by the way, is big, big, big tech. Obviously, there's been no reform. In fact, all the reforms have gone the other way. Elon Musk is trying. uh, And one of the reasons nobody ever talks about this, but Mark Zuckerberg, after the 2016 election, you know, Trump was able to really dominate Facebook. I mean, they were so good. They had this guy, Brad Parscale. Brad Parscale, just a digital genius. And he dominated Facebook. Listen to him. Listen to him talk about Facebook and what the Trump campaign did in 2016. Cut 36. In the primary season, what was the strategy on Facebook and how did it kind of shift going into 2016? Shock and awe. Shock and awe. How yeah. so? What's that mean? Which means is uh, put Mr. Trump's message, let him speak directly to camera, and get it to as many people as possible. And why was Facebook the ideal medium for that? Low-cost CPM, large numbers of conservative fo- voters, ability to broadcast all day, multiple times to the same audience. And the numbers were showing in the consumer side that people were spending more and more hours of their day consuming Facebook content and an aggregated uh, news feed. Smart guy, right? And just as Trump dominated uh, Facebook and dominated cable news because he knew how to pull the strings and create news and create a spectacle that people wanted to see so he could talk about his ideas and how to save this country, cable news, uh, they all tried to correct after. They tried to, oh, my God, how do we stop him? How do we stop him? And Mark Zuckerberg led the charge, by the way. Mark Zuckerberg, what, one thing that he did not want, he didn't want to get yelled at again. Mark Zuckerberg, the billionaire uh, founder of Facebook, they dragged him up to Capitol Hill like a dozen times and did this to him. Cut 37, please. This is what's so frustrating to me. It's almost like you think this is a joke. When you have ruined the lives of many people, discriminated against them. Do you know what percentage of African Americans are on Facebook? In comparison to majority folks, do you know what the percentages are? People using the Facebook. Yes. Do you know what the percentages are for African Americans? I don't because we don't collect the races of people. Well, it it it, it came out in a report and in the Pew Research uh, Center that was sent to you. So maybe you just don't read a lot of things that deal with civil rights or African Americans. I have a lot of questions I'm going to send to you that I'm not going to be able to get through, and I would like an answer because this is appalling and disgusting to me. Wow, huh? Uh, (laughs) Uh, Facebook ruined the lives of black people, this person is trying to say. huh? Now, she's crazy, but they were all crazy down there, white, black. All the leftists, they lost their minds over the 2016 election, and they came after Facebook hard. That clip you heard there, I think that was uh, that was tw- late 2018, early 2019. And Zuckerberg wanted to atone for all of that, and he did. He threw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars at Democratic groups, some state organizations, uh, to get out the Democrat vote. Oh, man, did he do that. And that was to ingratiate himself with all the people that he fell out of favor with. 
And now he's in. Oh, he's in all over again. They love him. Um, hey, isn't it great that, um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Alan Dershowitz was once accused of assaulting a, uh, a young girl. Horrible accusation. Now, I knew it wasn't true. I know Alan Dershowitz a bit, and I just did not believe it and given the sources. Well, they've actually had to acknowledge that it wasn't true. His accuser said publicly that I made a mistake. I probably made a mistake, and it wasn't Alan Dershowitz. How about that, huh? Um, that headline should be much, much bigger because that's probably going to follow Alan Dershowitz around for the rest of his life, the whispers. The whispers. I know something about that. Sharon in Connecticut, yes. Oh, hi. Hi, Greg. Uh, yeah, the other day I voted in uh, Westport, Connecticut, where I live, and I noticed that the Ned Lamont turned up on three different lines on the ballot, yeah. including one called, you know, Working Family, which should have a uh, hammer and sickle next to it, it sounds like. But huh. anyway, um, and then uh, today in the in the post, uh, which you referenced the post before, I see on page 10, oh, ha- uh, Kathy Hochul can probably attribute her win to the line where she showed up, including the Democrat line, Working Families, where she got uh, almost five percentage points. Um, and I'm thinking, how is this legal? To well, it's how- legal because uh, it, it is legal, and uh, both sides do it. Uh, in fact, when I voted for Joe Pinion, I think I could I voted for him on the Republican line, but he's also on the conservative line. When uh, Rudy Giuliani became mayor, and he'll tell you this, he was uh, he ran as a Republican, but guess what? He also ran on the liberal party line. There was a liberal party of New York, and they gave Rudy Giuliani the nomination, which meant they could. So some voters would feel more comfortable voting for Rudy Giuliani as a liberal. So, look, it's a complex system. I don't necessarily like it, but it is what it is. We can do it. They can do it. And it's done. Sharon, it's just kind of standard. It just it. I'll sh- look at my Twitter at Greg Kelly USA. You'll see like multiple ways to vote for. You're right. Kathy Hochul, but also Joe Pinion. Republicans do it all the time as well. They do it probably more. The Working Families Party is uh, that exists, but you know, Sharon, it, it 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 just happens. I don't like it. You know, they say it's the crummiest system in the world, except for all the others. Well, actually, I don't know if that applies anymore. We got one crummy system. Sharon, did you know that about Rudy Giuliani? Uh, well, I did. I did know that. I did know that Republicans do it as well, not as much. And what Joe in Fairfield was saying uh, before about the Republicans, I can. I can corroborate that the republicans in connecticut i actually tried to get involved in the westport republicans it was a complete debacle all they kept telling me was to talk lower when we were out in public because i was going to make people angry and i'm like well do we not stand by our do we not believe in these things or or, or don't we i mean yeah. what, what do you mean be quiet what are you talking about right what so, do you mean uh, be that quiet was complete, that was a complete that was a complete waste of time they, they say we get along with the democrats we get along i said i can see that that's why we're in the position we're in <laughs> You're right. You're right. Too many shy Republicans. Go along, get along, Republicans. I mean, hey, we want to get along with everybody. I mean, we're civil to everybody. Uh, but in America, you can have and hold political beliefs and you can express them, right? This is still America. I don't want to whisper. I don't want to be uh, shunned. And uh, gosh, it is frustrating, isn't it, Sharon? Where, in, where up there are you? I'm in Westport, Connecticut, but I am a New Yorker, born and raised, and that's why I keep up as my hometown um, of New York City. I will always, it'll always have a place in my heart, though I will never set foot in it again until let, things change. Let me ask you something: Do you want Trump to run? 
I do. You know what? Yes, I do. And I am so angry about this post. This post I have been writing to, they print my letters most of the time, Greg. They do. They print my letters. Sharon, you all, you'll see it if you see letters to the to the uh, post. They print them most of the time, from, but they never printed the ones I wrote to them about that Adams. I, I had that Adams number right from the beginning, and I kept saying to them, what is up with you? Oh, if you're against crime, you should vote for Adams. Yeah, yeah. You should vote for Adams. What, what, what's his face? Uh, what's his name? Beret. He's, he's not for against crime? I mean, he's not. Oh, Curtis, sharp, Curtis, sharp. Curtis Lee. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were conned by. They were conned by him. Uh, take a look at my uh, my. Uh, what, what what did I say about the post? I mean, they con. They they they're hit or miss. They're hit or miss. Sometimes they're great, but they're pretty awful a lot. And they conned us. They were conned. Whatever they told us, they sold us a bill of goods about Eric Adams. And I am disgusted this morning with the New York Post. Thank you, Sharon. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Inflation, crime, an incompetent president, gas prices out of control, uh, and we had such disappointing results from the midterms. Uh, I sense that not everything is on the up and up. (laughs) I don't like this mail-in voting. I've got real concerns. You know, Carrie Lake, utter superstar, They were counting votes faster a 100 years ago than they are right now in Arizona. There was so much in the way of shenanigans going on across the country. I look forward to her finally winning this thing. But the longer it takes, you know, I mean, if you're operating on somebody, it obviously gets more risky uh, the longer the operation takes, right? You know, 15 minutes and a half hour, two hours, when you're in the eight-hour category, it looks like it could go either way, and all kinds of horrible things can happen. Mistakes can be made, greater chance of infection, and that's how I feel about counting, all this counting and counting. And and apparently, I, I heard as of, like, yesterday, they hadn't even looked at the day of votes. It was all the mail-in stuff that they were still dealing with. I don't like it. I don't like it. And Joe Biden, by the way... It says he's probably going to run for president, and he's not going to change anything about his approach to this office that he is failing so miserably in holding. Well, he took it to a very new, gross level when it comes to uh, reveling in in grief and death. Uh, this uh, I was really taken aback. So he's he's gloating about uh, the performance of Democrats, and he's trying to give Trump a hard time. And then, of course, what he does is makes it all about him. And this is like muscle memory for him, but I've never heard him put it just like this. You know, he's had some hard knocks, some bad breaks in life. Everybody has. But Joe will not let us forget. And the way he described it was, um, uh, I think he was not, this was not good. Cut 34. Like a lot of you, we've been very fortunate as a family. But we've also been through a lot of fairly tough times. And it's not, and I've had the great advantage of having a family to get through them. When my first wife and daughter were killed, when a tractor trailer broadsided them and killed my wife and killed my, my first wife and killed my daughter, and my two boys are expected. Get a taste of that, huh? Did you get a taste of that? Good God. What's wrong with him? Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
Uh, too many weird things are happening. Too many weird things. This voting, this early voting. I'm looking at right now at Arizona. Arizona. It's Thursday. The election was Tuesday. They, uh, Cena and Chiron, 76% of the votes have been tabulated. 76%. Whatever happened in knowing the results on election day, election night, sometimes early the next morning. And they've only gotten around a 76. They did a better time with this. They had a better time a hundred years ago. I don't trust it. I don't like it. The longer this takes, the more monkey business, the more shenanigans. It's just like James Baker and Jimmy Carter warned us in 2005 that this mail-in voting is susceptible to fraud and abuse. I really do believe that it holds. It's still true. It's still true. Hey, Dick Morris, the legendary political consultant, help us make sense of all this as the dust settles, although uh, it may not happen for a while. Uh, Dick Morris, uh, how are you, Dick? Welcome back. Welcome to your radio station. What's going on? You heard what I said right now. I really don't like the mail-in stuff. Can you just talk about that for a moment, then we'll talk about other stuff? Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, And uh, But I have a good proposal in Nevada that's even slower than in Arizona. Um, to count the ballots in Nevada is one of the smallest states in the country. I think they should fire the election staff and hire the card counters from the casino. <laughs> so, Dick, I'll <laughs> do, do a much better job. You know, I love President Trump. I know you love President Trump, and your book, uh, it, the, 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 the Return, is still doing amazing on Amazon and elsewhere, and everybody should buy it. I want President Trump to run. Uh, however, I heard something disturbing this morning. Now, I talk to President Trump, not as frequently as you do, but I do talk to him. And uh, somebody close to him told me that he's uh, not sure that this DeSantis thing has uh, rocked his world and he's thinking about not doing it. What are you hearing? No, that's totally absurd. Uh, he's fully committed to running. He's absolutely going to run. There is a good argument for his delaying until after uh, Walker's announcement because he doesn't want to detract from it. And the fundraising efforts of the party should go to Walker. But there is no consideration, too low for zero, as Elton John said, um, of his not running. Absolutely not. Well, I hope you're right, because quite frankly, this is coming from people. um, (laughs) This is coming from people. Now, granted, there's been so much fake news and so many rumors about Trump. And uh, he acknowledged himself that the results the other night were disappointing. He said it on Truth Social, disappointing, but then he had a positive spin on it. We're all disappointed. And, uh, well, I'm reassured if there's no chance, no chance. But let me ask you this. Bill O'Reilly was on the phone. Where did I hear Bill? I do think that Trump needs to change a little bit. His game is uh, amazing, such talent. But even talent needs to be guided, needs to be coached. And there are a couple of things that I hope he changes uh, when he runs next time, if he does, and you tell us he will, and I like that. Do you think he's capable of change? Um, Not much. Um, (laughs) I think he's going to basically be who he is and what he is. And uh, his authenticity is inconvenient for advisors, consultants, and media types, but I think essential to his credibility with the voters. And um, I think he's... uh, I think he reflects what he thinks, and he says what he thinks, and that's that's who he is. But let's talk about the election, okay? Well, right one thing, now, one I'm thing following. on that, one thing before you get to the election. I do, we that's why you're here. But I got to say one thing about what you just said. 
Uh, the authenticity, of course, it's all amazing. We know he, we know who he is, and I'm not saying he should, you know, pretend he's anybody else. But it, I know you like movies, and I'm, one of my favorite movies is uh, Rocky and Rocky Two. And when when Ooh. Sylvester Stallone, when Rocky comes back, he fights Apollo Creed, not southpaw, but right-handed, and it totally messes Creed up, and nobody expected it, and it changed the game, and it changed the fight. And it's something that Trump may have to consider, at least watching the movie. All right. As to the election, take it away. What the hell happened? Well, first of all, we won. Wait a second. Bill, uh, we don't hear you very well there, Dick. Hold on. Try it again. Okay. We won. That's what the hell happened. Um, we won the House. It looks to me like we have uh, a um, 215 House members. Uh, you need... Uh, 225 House members, you need 218. Um, and uh, and I, when you combine last cycle and this cycle, we picked up 30 seats, which is quite an achievement given the gerrymandering that goes on. Um, I think that in the Senate, uh, I personally don't give a damn about the Senate. I think that no, no legislation is going to be passed while Biden's president. He'll just veto anything. And we'll never be able to repeal his programs because he'll veto them. Uh, and he won't be able to pass anything because the House will stop it. So forget the legislative front. There is no Congress from that point of view. <laughs> what's, what's important here is the ability to investigate and the gavel and the subpoena power. And that's as potent in the House as it, in one House as it is in two Houses. You don't need two gavels to hang over Hunter Biden's head. One of them is good enough. And uh, so I basically don't think the Senate is very significant. I think it's it's much more a media event. In terms of the, uh, the race itself, both Laxalt is, uh, is behind and uh, moving. Laxalt is ahead and moving and dropping. Masters is behind and gaining. So uh, it's hard to tell where those lines cross, uh, particularly since because of the mail-in voting and all kinds of drop box and, and all that stuff, you really don't know with each tranche of new votes where they come from. Uh, but um, but basically, Masters is behind and gaining. Laxalt is ahead and dropping. And I have no idea. If we lose both of those, Georgia has no impact. Well, we I would love it. I would love it if you're – Georgia look, has no impact. I, and if we win one and lose one yeah. – it all hinges on Georgia. All right. Now, right now, I'm looking right now. We only have 209 seats. I can't believe it's Thursday. I, I know I'm told, okay, we're gonna, it's, it's, it's going to happen. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But we are – look, there is, a, there is a flavor out there. People are disappointed. I mean, we wanted this tsunami, and I don't know who the hell put, first put it out there that there was going to be a, a wave, and I guess this is kind of a wave, but whatever. Um, can I ask you a little bit about the establishment Republicans, Mitch McConnell – uh, Mitt yeah, Romney. Uh, no, 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 no. Dick, give me a moment here. I want to know about the establishment Republicans. It looks to me like they they just did not serve us well. No, they knifed us in the back. But let me get to that in a sec. We have 220 House races. We've definitely won. That's two more than a majority. We have six more that we're leading in. So that would be 228. Um, which is uh, well. Do me a favor. Call up the CNN control room, and I know it's CNN, but they got a big number there. It says two hundred and nine. We've only got two hundred and nine at this point. I just can't stand it. We have two hundred and twenty. We have two hundred and twenty-eight 
Uh, just one second. No, so we have 220 where we've been declared the winner. And we have six more where we're ahead and likely to win. So that would be 226, which is eight more than you need for a majority. Let me talk about what you're saying. It isn't just that they sat on their hands. It's they knifed us in the back. McConnell took every prime, every time, every challenge the Democratic incumbent. Of what McConnell put up his candidate for that, and Trump put up his candidate, and Trump beat, beat him in all the primaries, every single one except for Georgia uh, governor. And uh, the and McConnell's policy then was to refuse to give any money to any of the Trump candidates, and then to go around telling every big donor, "Give the money to me, and I'll decide how to spend it to get a Senate majority." And the fact is that he was worried that if Trump's people, uh, Walker, Vance, Bud, um, uh, Warren, uh, um, Masters, won, that, that they wouldn't vote for him, that they would vote for some other candidate for leader. And he was more concerned about keeping the title of leader than he was whether it's the majority leader or the minority. Leader. Oh, my gosh. What a bum. What a bum. Now, I hear that Josh Hawley, a Republican of Missouri, has already publicly stated that he's not going to vote for uh, McConnell. Um, like, is his time up finally? I mean, with a guy like Hawley coming up and speaking out like that, what the hell does this guy bring to the table anymore? No, he's going to win re-elections as a majority leader. Uh, undeservedly so, because he helped make sure that enough people like Baldrick in New Hampshire um, or um, who might have voted against him uh, didn't win. So uh, it was a deliberate policy on his part of sabotaging candidates who he couldn't control. And then he went out as head of the Senate Campaign Committee and spent millions of dollars trying to reelect Lisa Murkowski. Uh, even though her opponent was a Republican. So it had no effect on control of the Senate, just that the, her opponent wouldn't vote for McConnell and, um, and Murkowski will. Um, you're not going to beat uh, McConnell. Uh, there are too many senators who depend on him, yeah. too, many, too many bumps on the log there who are sort of chemically inert. Well, that's the swamp uh, for you, I guess. There's the swamp. All right, coming back to Donald Trump. How's he doing right now? What's he thinking? Uh, what, what? How is he? You there? Uh-oh. We lost Dick. Anyway. I'm uh, sorry. No, uh, no, I'm back. Oh, I'm good, back. good. Good. You had another call? Uh, so, well, listen. No. Oh, uh, how's he no, taking I, all this? I, I, I see the statements on Truth Social. Uh, he's a, you know, He just went after DeSantis, I mean, really hard. He said, uh, DeSantis better not run. I know things about him. Maybe his wife doesn't even know. I mean, talk about that was pretty over the top, even for him. What the hell? What, well, what's he getting at there? Well, I think that Trump feels that he elected DeSantis, that when DeSantis was running for Senate, for governor in Florida, he was significantly behind his primary opponent, whose name escapes me. I think it was the attorney general. And uh, Trump endorsed DeSantis and pulled him from the middle of the pack and brought him up to getting the nomination. So he feels DeSantis is an ingrate, and he's personally angry about that. But there is no question in my mind that only Donald Trump can give us a victory in 24. 
and I, I will look at this from a perspective of running a campaign. And Trump is half incumbent and half challenger. As a challenger, he can say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do the other thing. But as a half incumbent, he can say, I did all of that stuff when I was there, and therefore you can trust it's going to happen again. Can I seal the border? I already did. Can I create job growth with no inflation? I did that too. Can I reduce the crime rate in our cities? I did when I was there. Can I stand up to North Korea, Iran, China, and Russia? I did. And that combination of insurgents and incumbents is, is almost unbeatable. All right. And I love the way you put it. Half incumbent, half challenger, insurgent. Uh, Dick, the book still applies. The return. Get it wherever books are sold. Dick Morris, the legendary presidential advisor. Thanks, Dick, very much. I'll see you tonight. Okay, very good. Yes, Newsmax is getting Hey, real quick, Dick, when can people find you on the radio? I listen to the podcast version. If they want to listen live. I'm on every Sunday at noon. All right, every Sunday at noon. Great, great stuff. Dick Morris. Thank you, Dick, and we'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How about that Dick Morris, huh? How about that Dick Morris? Great guy. Oh, where's that clip again of uh, Joe Biden just going over the top? We didn't get to hear the whole thing. Joe Biden going over the top. About his own, um, you know, the, the tragedy. You know, we know about the, we know the story. He keeps telling it, but he really, really got into gruesome detail. And then his son tries to say he died from what happened in Iraq. At least he didn't say he died in Iraq. Modified the story a little bit, but um, exaggerates. That's, I guess, what uh, Joe does: exaggerates, lies. Uh, may we go ahead? Like a lot of you. We've been very fortunate as a family, but we've also been through a lot of fairly tough times. And it's not, and I've had the great advantage of having a family to get through them. When my first wife and daughter were killed when a tractor trailer broadsided them and killed my wife and killed my, my first wife and killed my daughter. And my two boys are expected to die. They were in the, it took the jaws of life three hours to get them out there on top of their dead mother and dead sister. I understand what that pain is like. And when Jill and I lost Bo after a year in Iraq. Die, die, dead, dead, over my their dead sister, dead mother. I mean, just the, that that kind of detail. The jaws of life after a year in Iraq. You see that? Again, the tie-in being, oh, he came down with brain cancer because of his service in Iraq. Well, brain cancer, sorry, runs into the Joe Biden family. Uh, Joe had his brain operated on twice, operated on twice uh, in the 1980s. Guy almost died and um, brain cancer. By the way, neurologists, brain surgeons, they have this saying. There's actually a book. Uh, Today, brain surgery is a very sophisticated operation. I mean, they can do it very unobtrusively. They can go through your uh, nose. I heard they can even go through your eye sockets to get to the brain. But back then in the 80s, they just had to crack the head open and go to town on your brain. It was a really barbaric kind of operation, and the brain was adversely affected. And the name of the book is When the Air Hits Your Brain, You're Never the Same. And the air has hit Joe Biden's brain at least twice. And we can all see he's... No, he's 
It's not good. It's not good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Maria in Franklin Square. Hi. Hello, Greg. How are you? Fine. Okay, I have a couple of things to talk about. Oh, you do, huh? All right, you're going to be the guest for the next 20 minutes? No, I don't want <laughs> All right, to go ahead. Fire away. Fire away. What's up? Okay, this great country that we live in, we send people to the moon. We build these skyscrapers, bridges. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Why can't we have a system when it comes to voting? Why do we have to wait? If I vote today, why do I have to wait two days to find out if the person won or lost? It's yeah. a great question. It is a great question. I mean, look, look and I, I told you we're looking at Arizona, 76 percent of the votes still. You're right. We went to the moon. Now, one thing, though, we got to contend with in the Constitution it says that it's up to the states to administer these elections. It's not up to the uh, to the federal government. Individual states administer these things, and they've got their own rules and their own damn ways, and it's a pain in the neck. Uh, but there's some funny business going on, no doubt about it. What else? You know, that's where it's wrong, because what happens is if it's a Democratic state and they wait and we need whatever, a 1,000 votes, whatever, they're going to mess it up and make sure that it's in their favor. And that's the way it is. Secondly, okay, mm, mm. I told you the story about when I went to vote. Finally, I voted in Franklin Square, and it was wonderful. I could see, because you know I have a, a situation with my eyes. All right, okay? all right, there's the music. we got to go in a second, so uh, what? Right, all right. What the hell is wrong with the, our Republicans why don't they do something about all this nonsense that's going on? I mean, seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we got some good guys out there. We got Lee Zeldin. He did a great job. We got Mitch McConnell and Dick Morris just confirmed a snake, maybe even an evil snake. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, once the dust does settle on this election and we have the final results... And maybe even before then, I think we need to go back and see what the hell happened at uh, uh, Paul Pelosi's bedroom and Paul B- Pelosi's foyer, Nancy, and all that stuff. What the hell happened with that guy? <laughs> I have not forgotten, have you? It was the strangest, weirdest story I'd ever seen. Hey, do me a favor. When the police chief was all choked up and emotional about it, remember that? Do me a favor. Go ahead and find that. So the police chief, this was one of the many, many things that told me that this is not right, that they're covering up something. I don't know what the hell it is, but I do know we're not being told the, the entire story. So Nancy Pelosi has now twice asked for privacy. Privacy, because her husband was a crime victim. Nobody asked for privacy. You asked for justice. You asked for privacy. You know the circumstances. If someone's getting divorced or whatever, that's when you want privacy. Uh, but when you got you're not going to get privacy, number one. You're not going to get privacy. I mean, did you tell the federal authorities to not put any of this in an affidavit? They did. They're pressing charges. They should, I guess, right? I mean, if it's legitimate. Um, uh, privacy. Who the hell asked for privacy? She came out. She did a television interview about it, told us everything. Well, actually, no, she didn't. <laughs> I mean, the first thing you would do if you're Nancy Pelosi or, let's face it, somebody you loved or knew a friend, family member, you know, got attacked at the house. 
as soon as you could at the earliest possible moment, you'd say, what the hell happened? What was it like? Well, Nancy doesn't want to do that because it would be traumatic. Hmm? That's a little bit too uh, convenient, I think, somehow. Uh, what else? Uh, Nancy uh, does believe that this was all related to January 6th. She said that. And uh, what else did she say? Uh, I think she was exploiting it. I really do. And the cops, it seems to me, are in on it. Uh, they're in on something. They're at least playing a political game, uh, highlighting certain aspects and minimizing other aspects. To this point, the police chief has not actually said anything about motive. Everybody else is saying uh, motive O is definitely a, an assassination plot against Nancy Pelosi. Uh, that's all coming from the district attorney who's elected. And I, I take it was reelected on Tuesday. And she was up for election. Uh, the FBI, uh, all these organizations, quite frankly, we don't trust anymore. The San Francisco Police Department, which is unelected, the chief there, unelected, right? He has uh, not said anything about that. He's also not said anything about whether or not there was a pre-existing relationship between uh, Paul Pelosi and uh, and the intruder. Actually, I take that back. He said, uh, at this point, there's nothing to suggest that there is any kind of relationship between the two. At this point, there is nothing to suggest. I mean, that is very, very Clinton-esque. Very Clinton-esque. Now, all right, we got it. Okay, good. So here's the here's one of the moments where I thought, okay, this is not making sense at all. And now, is it circumstantial? Yes. But look, I've been around, I've been around a policeman, my dad, for a long, long time, and these cops have seen it all. They have seen everything: murder, mayhem. All right, I got a kind of a gross story. Uh, should I tell it? Uh, actually, <laughs> um. No, I can't tell it right now. Um, but okay, I'm going to tell you. So, so there was this guy who was about to. I, I heard this actually from um, a cousin of mine who, anyway, heard it from a cousin, and they they went up to the Brooklyn Bridge because a guy was about to jump off. Right? Uh, I can't say it. It's too politically incorrect. It's too many problems. Sorry. Uh, do me a favor. Let me hear that chief say what he said. Our elected officials are here to do the business of their cities, their counties, their states, and this nation. Their families don't sign up for this to be harmed, and it is wrong. And everybody should be disgusted about what happened this morning. With that... We will take any questions, and we will only answer what we can answer. All right. So uh, I decided I am going to tell the story after all. All right. So you hear this uh, chief. He's all emotional, right, because Paul Pelosi got into a fight with a guy and had his head hit hit with a hammer. Did you hear him? He was about to cry. You can see it. Now, that does not make sense. I looked it up. This guy has been in law enforcement for like 35 years. He's been the chief of police in San Francisco, a place that sees murder, mayhem all the time. That's where Dirty Harry was based, set in San Francisco. And this guy's about to lose it because Paul Pelosi, who is alive now, by the way, is already out of the hospital. He's fine. I just didn't believe it. 
And this uh, this is a small example of how cops have seen it all and done it all. And you know what? I'm sorry. They have to build up protection systems. I mean, you can be too empathetic, right? So here's an example. A guy is about to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. And it happens to be, I guess, he's Indian or what we now call Native American, right? That becomes apparent during the discussions with this individual because nobody wants him to jump right and they got to go up there with cables and you know to rescue the guy to bring him down anyway they go up there and um they're talking to him and talking to him and he jumps and the guy who had just been talking to him trying to talk him out of it turns to one of the other cops and says he didn't even say geronimo Now, to us, that's shocking. But to cops who deal with this stuff all the time, right, that it's just like it just these things, it's 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 their day job. Did I ever tell you the time that I was uh, seven years old and we were at a department store on Long Island and I was with my dad and my brother and my mom and uh, we saw a guy take a woman's purse my mother was in the store so and we're waiting for her in the station wagon and a guy steals a purse and my dad just peeled out in the car 100 miles per hour we were going after him it was the most amazing thing that ever happened it was just incredible i was seven years old i was like wow it's like right out of starsky and hutch he gets out of the car his gun is drawn I mean, it's unbelievable. It's terrifying. It's exhilarating. It's it's like, oh, my God. My dad gets the purse back. The guy runs away. I'm like, why didn't you get the guy? Well, because you were here. It was at night, by the way. He couldn't, you know. Guy jumped the fence, but he dropped the bag. And uh, I do remember this. I said, what did he say? Because they had like a, they, they, they exchanged words. He said, go ahead and shoot me. I have nothing to live for. Sounded like the saddest thing in the world, right? Anyway, I am in a state of total shock. I mean, it was the most, and by the way, it was kind of fun. It was interesting. I had never seen anything like this in real life. My brother and I don't stop talking about this for a year, right? It's like, Dad took out his gun and stopped the guy. Well, it was a big deal to us. I do remember so specifically by the time we got home, which was 10 minutes away, He was talking about other stuff. We stopped at Dairy Barn to get milk. And, you know, something about what we were, what he was going to watch on TV or just like the the most ordinary stuff in the world. Because that's the kind of stuff he did every single day. Chase bad guys. This is all the way back in the 1970s. So cops, they've seen it all. They've done it all. Oh, and that brings me back to the chief. So you just heard him lose his mind about Paul Pelosi getting hit in the head with a hammer, right? But Paul Pelosi is alive, mind you. He's already out of the hospital. He was talking to the cops on the way to the hospital, according to the records. He was actually conscious on the way to the hospital and telling the cops what he knew. So he wasn't that badly hurt. I'm sorry. He's not that badly hurt. But the chief almost broke down and cried. Now, here he is. I found this clip. This is from June, uh, four or five months ago, right? Here's the same chief talking to a bunch of reporters in the same room about a homicide spike, and they made a couple of arrests in the homicide case, right? You notice anything about his tone? Anything like that suggests that, you know, he's a 
a world-weary guy. He's seen it all, and you know what? Nothing really gets to him. Go ahead. Oops. And while there have been multiple arrests in just a few short days, the police chief says there still is a lot of work to be done, turning to the public. You know, these, these arrests happened in quick succession, and we wanted to make sure we got that information out, but we also need the public's help. San Francisco has seen 20 homicides so far this year. While we have the public's attention, we want to make sure we take advantage of that, and if anybody has anything that they can provide that helps these investigations or any others, I think it's a good opportunity. Tara Campbell. ABC 7 News. If anybody has anything, give us a call. We're standing by. The phones are open. This is about 20 people just got killed. And there's stabbing, uh, one of his stabbing deaths. He sounded pretty uh, nonchalant, right? Can I hear again his reaction to Paul Pelosi getting a bump in the head the other night, please? Our elected officials are here to do the business of their cities, their counties, their states, and this nation. Their families don't sign up for this to be harmed, and it is wrong. And everybody should be disgusted about what happened this morning. With that, we will take any questions, and we will only answer what we can answer. Okay, and now can I hear what the chief really sounds like when he's not trying to impress Democratic masters and possibly trying to influence the course of this case and what the media think about it? Here's the real chief. You know, these these arrests happened in quick succession, and we wanted to make sure we got that information out, but we also need the public's help. San Francisco has seen 20 homicides so far this year. While we have the public's attention, we want to make sure we take advantage of that, and if anybody has anything that they can provide that helps these investigations or any others, I think it's a good opportunity. Something's up! (laughs) Right? I mean, what? (laughs) They think we're stupid. And, uh, well, the media helps them think that. The media, they're Totally incurious. Hey, whatever happened to NBC's Miguel Almaguer? Is Miguel still on television? Well, he's off of Twitter. I don't watch NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Uh, but I do look at Miguel Almaguer's Twitter, and he hasn't tweeted in almost a week. Ever since he did that report where he seemed, where he said that Paul Pelosi answers the door. And he sees the cops. And what does he do as he's in the middle of this home invasion? He walks back into the house and stands right next to Mr. DePape. That's not a reaction that I would have had, right? If the cops came and I called them, thank God, help. I would have run right. I would have run out of the house. Instead, he goes back inside. Um, And then Nancy Pelosi is able to milk this thing and go on TV the night before the election. That's when she decided to break her silence the night before the election. Huh. Only saw her once all week long. She was keeping a low profile, but she came out just before the election to make that case again. Uh, all right. Is it time? Almost time. Hey, we're having a party tonight. Looking forward to that. The Newsmax uh, party. Uh, and the party, I think, is just because, right? Just because. Oh, they opened a new studio. It's really nice. Mike in New Jersey, yes. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? Good. Um, I, I want to say it's an honor to talk to you. Um, appreciate your service. Thank you very much. Uh-oh. Um, 
What? No, no. You're I'm about to you're about to disagree or say I'm, something. Not you, at all. You not sure? Greg, not at all. All right. Not, not at all. All right. Um, I'm looking for your profession, your expertise. Uh, so I'm a huge Trump supporter. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with everything you said. It takes a person with a lot of guts to stand up for they believe in. But after this past midterm, I, I have a question. When President Trump had the primaries, his people won because President Trump has the support within the Republican Party of, you know, 70, 80 percent. Um, but when he goes against, you know, for instance, or the, everyone that he supports. I know where you're going. They, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, some of the candidates lost in the general, right? I mean, Dr. Oz is a great example. He wanted Dr. Oz. He went with Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz lost. By the way, Dr. Oz, nobody points this out. Everybody wanted Trump's endorsement, by the way. These guys were, it wasn't like Trump just bothered these guys and intruded on their, uh, you know, meticulously planned campaigns with, uh, I'm going to endorse you. Uh, or else, or anything like that. I mean, he, you know, his, that was a coveted endorsement. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Absolutely. Absolutely. My question to you is when going into general elections, I feel like President Trump, for what, I think when people hate them, they're just ignorant for whatever reason they do. But when going into general elections, you need a moderate Democrat to sometimes come on the Republican side to vote. And unfortunately, I feel like President Trump has isolated so many people on that side. They just vote against him for no reason. Well, this is what I was talking about. Do you remember earlier when I said um, when I was talking about Rocky Two? remember that? I don't know if you heard it, but I said there's a great thing in Rocky Two where Rocky goes from southpaw to right handed. He starts boxing with the other hand. I don't know anything about boxing, but I do love the Rocky movies. And I would like to see Trump switch up a couple of things. Dick Morris says he doesn't change, and uh, it's very hard to change at a certain age. But I do believe that Trump is the most pro-American president. I mean, truly, our values and who we are, he represents. And I would love to see him make that case to the left. And then I think he could be a president that wins 40 states. I know it sounds crazy, but I still think he could be that kind of guy because his... His agenda is our agenda. It's an American agenda, Mike. I know what you mean. Look, some people just can't take them and the mean tweets. But, you know, look at what we got is instead. Uh, look at Joe Biden. So if, Do- if Donald Trump started talking to the left just a little bit, they said only Nixon could go to China. Do you remember that? Only Nixon could go to China. He was such an anti-communist. If George McGovern went to China, they would see him as a spy. But Nixon could do it. I think that Donald Trump could do some amazing things, actually, to communities uh, that with communities and voting groups that uh, despise him. I actually think a lot of folks could be won over. Mike, that may not uh, suffice, but that's what I think. Can I say one more thing? I got to go. Hold on. I'll take you on the other side. All right. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, happy birthday to the Marine Corps, my beloved Marine Corps. Ah, so glad I joined the Marine Corps. Followed in my dad's footsteps, of course. Happy birthday to all the Marines. The Marines founded today on this day in history, 1775. That's how many years ago? A lot of years, 247 or so. Um, Wherever you are, if you served in the Marines or you know a Marine or love a Marine, whatever, happy birthday to the Marine Corps. Uh, All right, I got to get. Uh, across the street for the big Newsmax party and the Newsmax show at 10 o'clock. Hey, do me a favor, all right? The book, uh, it's very important that I sell this thing. And uh, I, I'm very, I feel so good about what I produced. It's going to hopefully move the needle on a lot of different subjects. 
um, from race relations to uh, support of the police, how we got to this crazy moment where uh, the police are maligned and seen as the problem and not the solution. It's just, uh, anyway, it was a labor of love, and I think it's going to help some people. It's called um, Justice for All, How the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, and it's available on Amazon right now, uh, available for pre-order. It comes out January 10th. All right, Mike, uh, finish your thought, please. Mike in New Jersey. Greg, I, I absolutely agree with you about everything. All right, so what's uh, up? Go, Got to go. So, so I don't, I don't understand why President Trump's going after DeSantis. It makes no sense. He's only. Hey, listen, listen. I know, I, I know. I mean, look, he he beats, he marches to his own drummer. I mean, he's a different kind of guy. He's not a politician. He doesn't do what politics. You know, usually, you defer this stuff. You have other people do it. You're telling me that uh, politicians don't say horrible things about each other. The only difference with Trump is he does it out loud. There's something to be there's something I quite frankly like about it. You know, I mean, he's not (laughs) you can't call him a backstabber, can you? Uh, I know it's not standard. Remember, he's not a politician. And Ron DeSantis, for all of his gifts, he's a career politician. Mike, I got to go. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Ellie and Mineola. Ellie. Ellie. Hi, Greg. Yes. Hi. Um, I know you have to leave. I just found it interesting that the police chief reminded me of Fanon with the fake tears because he's playing a part. Excellent. He's acting. Excellent point. Okay? I mean, the indifference shown to my colleague is disgraceful. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised the chief didn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great point. You're right. He went to the Fanon School of Communication. Ellie, thank you. And actually, Tommy wants to say something about the same guy, I think. Tommy's in New Jersey. Yes, Tommy. Yes, great cop. Hard cop, New Jersey. He's... They get called to a house of intruder. They don't bother to check the rest of the house and see if anybody's in there under the bed, in the closet. Very, very strange, like you say, very strange about this whole incident. Indeed, indeed, totally. Thank you, pal. Uh, One more or two. Ed is in Queens. What's up? Eddie, are you there? Never mind. Loretta in Connecticut. Hey, Greg. How are you doing? Good. Hey, Greg. Um, I just wanted to say that I saw a headline uh, a few minutes ago that Biden is going to be meeting with uh, Xi face-to-face, probably over a computer screen. But um, who would you rather have meeting with Xi, Trump or this ice cream-eating <laughs> guy? I mean, it's yeah. just insane. You know my um, answer. And uh, by the way, I think Joe Biden is compromised when it comes to President Xi. All that time he spent with him. She knows stuff about Biden, and it works against us. Uh, thanks, everybody. I'll see you tonight at 10. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.